Thanks for joining me for another episode of Accented. This series is based on conversations with real people who all have different English accents. You get to hear really cool stories and listen to how people enunciate their words. On today's episode, you will hear from two guests who are journalists from Mongolia. Hello and welcome to Accented. On today's episode, I will be interviewing two guests, which is the first time I have ever done this. Now, because I have two guests on the show, I want to jump straight into some of the phrases and vocabulary used because it's going to be a little bit longer, the interview, than usual. Mongolia is a country which is found above China and below Russia. As I mentioned, my two guests on the episode today are journalists and they are freelance journalists. Now, when you are working as a freelancer, that means that you work for yourself. So sometimes a company might pay you to do something. So I could be a freelance writer where I write online or I write for a magazine and the company could pay me or I could even have my own website where people pay a subscription to um, access my journals. So a freelance anybody is working for themselves. They have to find their own way to get paid. They don't have a salary. Let's get back to Mongolia. I'm quite ignorant about anything in Mongolia. So it was quite fascinating to learn about the culture. And I mentioned to my guests that the only thing I really know about Mongolia is Genghis Khan. Now, Genghis Khan was quite a brutal, violent conqueror. And he's one of the most well-known conquerors because he invaded quite a few countries and even took over some countries in Europe. Not only is Mongolia known for Genghis Khan, it's also known for its wild horses and its nomadic. If you're part of a nomadic tribe, that means that you pretty much live in tents and you go from place to place. So once you've used up all the resources from the area that you've been living in, you would then pack up and go to another area where you can then use some more resources. Now, my guests assure me that Mongolia has definitely moved on from these times and they both live in the capital city of Mongolia and it is like any other capital city that we know in the world. So these ideas of nomadic tribes and the horses and Genghis Khan are quite old and there is a modern Mongolia. It's now time to get on with the interview. On today's show, I will be speaking with Doya and Nanga And they are the hosts of the Mongolia News Podcast, and they do their show in English. Welcome to the show. 
Thank you. Thanks for having us. Thank you, Kimberly. So tell us about your podcast. This is fascinating. Um, Mongolian News Podcast is a general news podcast. Uh, we're trying to publish it broadcast it once a week and uh, it's in all in English news podcast just for expats in Mongolia and also for the Mongolian people who's learning English in Mongolia. Mm-hmm. So, um, uh, well, people who are living in Mongolia, experts who are living in Mongolia, they know uh, this and that, but um, we figured that they do not have a new source that tells them what's actually happening in the country they are living in. And the only source of news they have is their friends. And they kind of go by the words of them to kind of figure out what's happening around them. So we thought this could be kind of a useful content uh, for experts in Mongolia to understand Mongolia better and to get a, uh, an understanding of what's happening around them. Maybe it might be a little bit interesting. Outsider who's uh, the first time listening about Mongolia, then podcast uh, our podcast is might be useful to know more details about Mongolia. Yeah, like I don't think a lot of people know. Um, much about Mongolia except for Genghis Khan and the horses and the very cold deserts? Well, yeah, that's something we kind of um, concern, have a concern about because there's so much Mongolia has to offer. Um, Mongolia has changed so much in the past years, um, more so in the last 30 years, um, after the after we had the free market uh, society, and we're kind of concerned that the world still thinks of Mongolia as people on horsebacks, um, kind of grazing animals in the um, the de- cold desert, as you said. Um, so our hope is our content could probably affect in changing that view. Uh, and we could probably create more um, advocates for that view, people who are living in Mongolia that kind of serve as the ambassador outside of Mongolia to um, introduce Mongolia in a new way. Well, you live in the capital, Ulaanbaatar. Is that yeah. how you pronounce it? Yeah. Yeah, we both live in Ulaanbaatar, and Ulaanbaatar is capital, and half our population living in Ulaanbaatar, the normal capital city of other countries. And most of people are thinking about, we're living in a gear, riding a horse, and go to the schools riding a horse, and something like that. We still like... Uh, new era and civilized world and people, same as you living in Australia. What are the expats doing there? What nationality are the majority of expats who live in Mongolia? Well, I haven't looked at the figures yet, uh, but, um, well, it depends on what kind of job you do. Uh, I think about like 20% of expats living in Mongolia would be C-suit, would be doing C-suit jobs. Um, yeah, and I think majority of them, uh, would be working in mining, construction, etc. Yeah. Yeah, and Mongolia is kind of a mineral-based economy. We have lots of huge, big minings. For Australian people, 
maybe know about Mongolia is Rio Tinto's one of the biggest projects was happening in uh, Mongolia. It's called Ayutolga Copper Mine. And expats who are working in Ayutolga is mostly from Australia to working on OT project. Yeah, that's true. We do have a huge um, mining sector here. And that's interesting that uh, you have quite a few Australians there. They're probably listening to your podcast. Yeah, maybe. Hopefully. (laughs) (laughs) Well, tell us what you're talking about on the podcast. If I were to move there, what are you – yeah, tell us a bit more about what I could do in Mongolia. Um, So um, you have a great market if you want to teach English. Mongolians are very keen to learn English. Yeah. Well, it's a huge market. Yeah? Why is that? Well, I mean, just think about all the resources you can have if you speak English. Um, To get a job, like almost all employers require at least one foreign language and English is the most common yeah, and uh, we're starting, I mean, not starting, but the society looks at um, foreign language as a tool. Uh, we used to look at it as a profession, like English language translator or um, or so, uh, but now we're, we're looking at it as a tool to converse, tool to get information, and tool to deliver your ideas to other people. So it's kind of a must-have now. And also when you can speak English, you can better communication to the outside of the world. Once you get foreign languages, and it means there are lots of market and lots of opportunity to, as a company level, individual level, you can communicate other country using English. Talking about languages, and you said that uh, companies are looking for people who speak multiple languages. Mm -hmm. How many languages do you both speak? I speak my own language in English. And I speak, yeah, of course, in Mongolian and also English, a little bit Chinese. And uh, my Chinese is uh, kind of intermediate and a little bit Russian I have. A little bit of Russian. Oh. So what, <laughs> what is, um, yeah, what is the relationship with Russia? Do you guys, like, do you travel there? Like, where do you go for holidays? Well, before coronavirus. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, before coronavirus, yeah, sorry. I think Nanda should answer that question. She travels a lot. Yeah, um, yeah language is really useful. And uh, Mongolia is between Russia and China, and that's why... When I was a kid, my primary school teacher helped me to learn Russian. And uh, I went once in Russia. At the time, my Russian is not so good at communicatable. And for the learning Chinese, and if I if you're traveling in Southeast Asia, like in Taiwan and Vietnam, if you know Chinese, and then people is easily can communicate with you Chinese. Because my look is like a... The people guess, oh, she's from Chinese. She must be know some Chinese. And then she would like to talk with me Chinese. And, yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. Sorry. A a general Mongolian people person would, um, just to give some insight, um, we travel visa-free to Russia, right? And yeah, For 30 days? 
Yeah, for 30 days to Russia and also to, for 30 to days to China. China yeah. And it's like about 15 countries mm -hmm. uh, we can travel like this. Most of the Southeast Asian countries from Golan people, uh, within 30 days, you can free to travel. What about mm -hmm. tourists? Do you get many in Mongolia? Not sure. And it's a half million tourists we receive every year. And we've been uh, aiming to get a million tourists for the last, last 10 years, 15 last years? Last two decades. <laughs> two decades. <laughs> and it's, it's been stuck between 400,000, 500,000. Yeah, it's like... So interesting, like uh, we aim into million tourists receiving every year in whole Mongolia and every year, but uh, we received a half million tourists every year. Can you tell us a little bit about this project, this literacy project that you're working on? Okay, so um, Nara and I, uh, we are former colleagues and um, after she came back uh, this February, March. Yeah, this February. She came back from China this February just before all the borders were closed, closed like the day before, right? Yeah, just like day before the, the day before my country closed the border. Closed all the borders. And um, so we met up and Nara had this idea to develop a platform for freelance journalists um, like forever, like for at least for 10 years in her yeah. head. And I had I was obsessed of the idea of putting a paywall on on a on a website because we don't have any in Mongolia. Um, so Actually, like it's so interesting. This idea came into my mind first from Australia, right uh, after I came back from Australia in 2012, mm -hmm. and I start developing how to develop Mongolian journalism industry, and then I keep developing developing, and until this stage in this idea is developing and met. And then we make it complete and trying to make it happen. So our ideas complemented each other's and we developed both our ideas into uh, one project. And the project's name is Uzuk, Uzuk Project. Uzuk is uh, Mongolian for pen. And as you probably know, pen is the uh, most common and the only weapon used by journalists to say a story. So um, our project, uh, we um, established an NGO named Nest Center for Journalism, Innovation and Development. So uh, together with a company named Medius, um, we're developing this platform called Uzi Agency. And um, this is supposed to give freelance journalists a voice and a platform and a place to publish the stories they have to say. And we're hoping this will support pluralism a lot. And um, we're, we recently conducted a study. And if we look at the media outputs in Mongolia and the topics that they're covering, it's limited to three to four topics like economy, um, politics. politics, and society. And within society, you put in all the other topics that matter a lot, like climate, uh, child protection, gender equality, education, entertainment, everything into one big pool. And all those other topics, they do not get enough attention by the media. So by uh, taking out editorial policies out of the picture and giving journalists the freedom to identify their own editorial policies and choose one niche topic that they want to cover, we believe 
we can create this stage where different ideas are spoken and told. Um, yeah, that's pretty much what we're hoping. And also by putting up a paywall in front of the stories, some of the stories, we're hoping to give the journalists economic freedom. So um, instead of getting a salary from a news organization, they can choose whatever they want to write and they can publish it on our platform and they can get paid from the platform. Fantastic. Yeah. And you mentioned that you've been to Australia. Did you come here for a holiday? No, it's a short-term study there. I've been in Australia, in Queensland, uh, Brisbane, and uh, Melbourne, Sydney. It's a three-month study and studying about how to cover mining industry in a, as a journalist. Yeah, I do have short seminar at Queensland University of uh, Queensland University of Theology, right? Yeah. Yes. You know, that's where I got my education degree from. Oh, <laughs> you graded it like it's just one of your age, right? <laughs> yes, yeah, it is a small world. Yeah, um, when did I get it? 2009, I got my education degree from QUT. Wow. I'm originally yeah. from Brisbane but live in Sydney. Yeah, it's like my first experience in Brisbane, like – little bit shocked everywhere everywhere the people is just walking as a barefoot and wow and then I just like for me it's kind of shocking I visited in winter in Australia and comparing to Mongolian temperature it's like uh, like early spring early autumn and there was a winter people like wearing so heavy on the top and but in the southern winter people can walk barefoot everywhere even the kids like s such a small kids like barefoot walking all over and then oh wow <laughs> like a little bit shocking to me that culture but I like it it's funny you say that because when I first moved to Italy I remember a lot of people were asking me they said do you really not wear shoes when you walk around <laughs> Where is this coming from? And now you're saying it. And I've, I've heard other foreigners say that. And I'm thinking, wow, I I always wear shoes. Um, however, but yes, there are a lot of people in Australia that don't wear shoes. That's like the opposite of what we are told in Mongolia, right? Yeah, like right. when we're raising our children or when we were brought up, our parents told, used to tell us like, Keep your feet warm. The yeah. others, they're not as important, right? Yeah, our parent considered like <laughs> if your uh, food is warm enough, your body is okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Yeah, but I just it doesn't get that cold. Except you did go to Melbourne. Melbourne gets pretty cold, but Queensland, you're in a pretty warm state. I yeah, I actually sure. go to Queensland when it's winter in Sydney because I know it's going to be nice weather. Yeah, and then Melbourne is like kind of art capital in Australia. And I didn't see the lots of, a lot of people walking barefoot in Melbourne in either in Sydney. I just saw people walking barefoot on Brisbane and then wow. <laughs> yeah. Australia is nice. So, They're a good place and they are super friendly. And I think somehow in Mongolia and Australia economy and our economic history is a little bit same a little bit like some of the some of the aspects we might had uh, same aspects uh, yeah 
That's interesting. I'll have to look into that. Um, but you're probably right if you're saying with the mining and everything like that. And it's um, it's very common for Australians to go and work in the mines um, to make uh, quite a bit of money if they want to make some money quickly. <laughs> they go out to the mines and work out there. Yeah, mining and then also do some exports to China. Lots of money, lots of mining product go to China and also lots of money goes back from China. And in this term, Mongolia and Australia might be similar. Thank you so much for taking the time to tell us about your projects. And I will make sure to put all the links in the show's notes. And I'm going to listen to your podcast because I want to find out more about Mongolia. Wow. Okay, Thank you. more pressure on us to, to start doing <laughs> continuing Get our podcast. Yeah. Especially yeah. now when people are listening to podcasts and I can't yeah. travel, so I need to hear what life is like in Mongolia. Yeah, that's no, right. That's true. Wow, All right. You. Yeah, well, also we, so yeah. No, and sorry. Also, and also I thought we should listen to your podcast as well like more often if, yeah more often it's like lots of interesting people talking about anything and then also people have their own stories and like interesting aspect and teaching sharing and yeah we should listen yeah yes you, have a you. listen i've got thank some yeah no thank you but yes i do i'm very lucky i have very interesting people that come on the show to share their story and as you said we've all got a story and it's just interesting to hear uh, people's different way of life as well. So thank you. Yeah. Thank you for having us. No thank worries. You. Well, thank you. <laughs> have a lovely evening and I'll hopefully chat to you guys soon. Great. Okay. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to another episode of Accented. I'm your host, Kimberly Law. Accented is released on the 15th and 30th of each month. If you'd like to find out more about me, please head to kimslawofenglish.com. I'd love to hear your thoughts, so please don't forget to leave a review of the podcast or even a star rating. Speak to you soon.